Well, I mean, Mother's Day notoriously is sort of one of those days where you, you come to church, the ladies get prayed for, you give them a rose, and you go home, and, you know, it's, it's about the lunch afterwards, really. <laughs> this is just really what church is on Mother's Day, ordinarily. But not today, not here, not in this place. And so in our first service, uh, Jamie Burns Pridgen preached the message. And am I right? She's the first woman to preach a message in this building ever. Incredible. And so I have the honor of introducing our speaker today. Hallelujah. And here's what I want to say. This, this is not just about, oh, it's Mother's Day. Isn't that sweet? They got some women to give a little Bible study. No, this is a prophetic statement to the principalities and powers of the air that we are not allowing women to be subjugated in the church any longer. We're not allowing their voices to be suppressed and that we come behind our women and we affirm the gifts and the callings and the anointings of God. And we're throwing the doors open for that right now, right now, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, yeah. And so I get the privilege of introducing Amy Lyle. And I would just say this, over the last year and a half, two years as we've gotten to know each other, I have fallen in love with you, sister. I, I, not that way, bro. I'm, I'm already taken too. So. But you have one of the purest, most tender hearts for the Lord out of anybody I've ever met. You're, a, you're an amazing friend to my wife, which if you, want, if you want to be a blessing to me, bless my wife. And you guys are little bosom friends. And in addition to that, you are prophetic. You have the heart of the Lord. You are a clear teacher and preacher of the word. And I just want to say this boldly. I, I love the fact that you're Jeff's wife and that Jeff's your husband, but you preaching here today has nothing to do with the fact that your husband is a preacher. You are gifted and anointed as a preacher. You don't need me to tell you that, but it's my pleasure to tell you that. I want you to give Amy Lyle a great big God bless you as she comes and preaches. What a welcome. I am so honored to be standing up here this morning. I really cannot tell you how honored I am. I'm excited. I'm just, I'm just a girl who loves Jesus. I really am. He, he is my hero. He is why I'm standing up here. He is, my husband is telling me that my earring is sitting in my microphone. So I'm going to take this off. I'm just gonna wear one earring today. <laughs> gonna start a new fashion statement. Right here this morning on Mother's Day. 
I want to echo what Gabe said and just say a happy Mother's Day to each and every one of you, birth mothers, spiritual mothers. I also want to say, from being there and experience, and I'll talk about it a little bit more in a few minutes, that I know that Mother's Day brings a lot of different emotions for a lot of different people. I want you to know that the Lord has spoken to me about you this morning. For some of you, it's very hard for you to even show up this morning. And I want you to want to tell you that the Lord is so pleased with your sacrifice of being here. He's going to honor that. He wants to love on you this morning. I have prayed all week and I have studied. I came up with three different messages somehow. And I'm only going to do one of them. I will. I'll save it for later. <laughs> that was great advice. But I just heard the Lord say towards the end of the week that I'm coming for my girls on Sunday. I'm coming for my girls. Yeah. Being a mother is one of my greatest joys. I have my two here on the front row. And they've been such a blessing, such a blessing to me, particularly this week as I've been going to them and telling them, you know, I'm a little nervous, it's Mother's Day, I'm speaking, and they all week, you know, well, you know, Mom, what you always say is that God's grace doesn't show up until right when you need it, and what you always say, and they had the audacity to preach back to me my own material, but they were greatly used to <laughs> They were greatly used in, in, in my life. I always wanted to be a mom. When I was a little girl, I had 14 babies. My aunt, my mom's baby sister, is here this morning. Darlene, I love you. Thank you for coming. And I took great care of those baby dolls. I took them everywhere I went. Um, I, I don't know how I taught my mom into doing this, but she would buy real diapers that I would put on my babies. And I was recalling last night that one time I went to the airport with my uncle, I was probably five or six years old, and we were going to pick up his wife, my aunt, and I went with my cousin, and I talked him into letting me carry my baby in my baby stroller. And of course, you can imagine as a five or six-year-old navigating the st stroller, this baby doll stroller through the airport and up escalators was, was quite the ordeal. But the Lord was showing me, I gave you such a maternal heart, even as just a young girl. And he gave that to me. And so I'm coming to you this morning as a spiritual mama, wanting to fight on your behalf, wanting to be there for you, wanting to love on you, wanting to give you the heart of Jesus this morning. That's what I want to do. Thank you. A year ago, my introduction would have been child of God, wife, mama, background vocalist. Yeah. I preferred to be in the background. When I would sing, I preferred to be in the corner. If you remember, if you were here, I liked to be behind the piano, as a matter of fact. I liked to hide a little bit. And the Lord has a way of coming to us and changing our course. Yes. 
He does. I, I did have a conversation with him for about five or six weeks telling him, I think you made me to be a background vocalist. But he kept coming to me and telling me, no, there's more. I have more for you. He started giving me dreams, really, really big dreams. I have never dreamed in my life up until the last year. Uh, literally three or four dreams probably my, my entire life that I could have recounted. And he started speaking to me through my dreams. And about six weeks ago, he gave me what I call a pregnancy dream. And in this dream, I kept going to the doctor because I had symptoms of being pregnant. And when I would go to the doctor, he would tell me, oh, you're not pregnant with a baby. You are pregnant with calling. And that was very normal in the dream somehow. And I would wake up and go back to sleep, and then I would have the same exact dream over and over and over again. All I need to do was to say, Lord, what, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. And so about six weeks ago, I had that same dream. And the next morning, it was Sunday morning, uh, Billy came up here and talked about that dream and gave an invitation uh, for the ladies to come forth, to just step into their callings. It was a powerful, powerful morning. And a couple of days after that, unbeknownst to me, there was this wonderful um, just invitation going on at IHOP uh, for the women. And I was at home in Hushton, and the Lord just gave me a picture. That's somehow, sometimes how he speaks to me. He gave me a picture that I'm going to share with you in a second. Um, but I knew that I was supposed to go down to IHOP and start praying over some of the ladies, that there was something significant that he was doing. And so in the midst of that, I'm having these dreams. The Lord is speaking to me, and I wake up one morning, and I said, okay, Lord, I keep having this pregnancy dream. The only thing I know to say is because you're not giving me specifics is I will say yes to the next thing. And I feel like the Lord's going to call some of you this morning to say yes to the next thing. Um, he may not give you the 10-point outline. He may not tell you what in two years it's going to look out look like. But for today, he just wants you to say yes to the next thing. So it was about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I told the Lord, yes, I will say yes to the next thing. So I went back to sleep, and when I woke up a couple of hours later, I had a text from Billy um, asking if I would speak on a Sunday morning and specifically Mother's Day. And that's what we call a divine setup. And so I don't know what the other spiritual giants, how they reply um, to texts like that, but I took a screenshot of, of my reply, and I gave it to the production team, and I'm going to see if they have it on here for you. <laughs> that, yes, there it is a little bit bigger. That was my actual reply to this invitation. I will have to say that I've made a couple of those faces this morning as well. 
<laughs> and then I sent a different text that said, I want you to know I just made all those faces. But yes, I'll do it. The answer is yes. I want you to know also that I'm up here under the authority of the pastoral leadership team. I want to say that. Okay. There is, there is protection in authority. I welcome authority in my life. And I come under their authority. And I just want to say, by the way, on behalf of all the women, it is such a blessing to serve in a church where the men are encouraging the women to take their rightful roles in, in the kingdom, in their biblical roles. Nothing beyond that, but in their biblical roles. It is it's such an encouragement. What some of you don't know, let me just give you just a quick uh, moment of history. In this very room just 10 years ago, 11 years ago, um, there was such a religious spirit, um, particularly towards, towards the women. And when Jeff and I got married in, in 1997 and I joined uh, Meadow Baptist Church, I was not raised in a legalistic church. Um, there was such a religious spirit in that church, good people, I'm not talking about the people, I'm talking about a spirit, a spirit of religion. That's what I'm coming against this morning. I wanna make that clear, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And so Jeff, when he became the senior pastor in 2002, started fighting against that religious spirit. And I wanna tell you, it was a fight. Um, Jeff and I, up until 2002, lived on the church property for five years, and because I lived on the church property, I had to wear a dress every single day of my life, because if you were on the church property and you were a woman, you had to wear a dress, which meant that I cleaned my bathrooms in a dress, and I came home the day that I had Alicia from the hospital in a dress, because that's what was required of us. And I say that only because of what is happening here is all glory to Jesus. Yes, he has done great and mighty things. And I give him the glory for that. And I say thank you to my husband as well. He wouldn't want me to do this, but I'll just embarrass him a little bit. This was, um, this was your fight too. And it came with a lot of sacrifice. And you, you fought that religious spirit. You lost friends. You had blogs written about you. And you stood so that all the women, not just his wife, but all the women could walk in the freedom and the liberty that we have this morning. And I say thank you. Yeah. Yes, give honor where honor is due, right? Yes. So, the day that I went to IHOP, that morning that I felt the Lord calling me, I want to share with you what the Lord showed me that day. I was at home, I was praying, I was having my quiet time like I normally do, spending time with Jesus just wanting to be a Mary, sit at his feet. That is where my strength comes from, is sitting at his feet. I have very little strength on my own. 
I really don't. I was sitting there, and the Lord gave me a picture, and this is what the picture was of. I was walking down this beach. There was an ocean nearby. I thought I was alone. I thought I was by myself. And as I got closer to these rocks, I heard noise. I heard crying. And so I stepped into these rocks, and I stepped into this cave. It was very dark, and somehow there was a torch in my hand, and I started lifting this torch up, walking around this cave, and I saw women in this cave who had shackles on their hands and their feet. And in the dream, in this picture, I just started proclaiming the goodness of the Lord and inviting these women to praise him with me. And the shackles began to fall off of the, the arms and legs of these women. And then I told them, you follow me. I'm holding this light. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women left that cave, left the darkness, and joined me on this bright beach and started finding refreshment in this beautiful ocean. And I want to tell you that that's exactly what I think is going to happen this morning. Not because I have anything wonderful to offer you except for just a wonderful Lord and a wonderful Jesus who is for you and he wants every shackle around your heart, around your arms and hands spiritually to come off today. He wants you to walk in the freedom that he has died for, by the way. He paid a high price for it and it is available this morning to you. So I was, as, I was, as I was remembering this, um, this picture, someone called a vision, I called a picture, um, I started praying, and Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with this? And he gave me this verse, and Nisha came over and prayed for the, me this morning, and she told me, she said, I feel like this is the verse that God is, is going to have you say. And I said, you have no idea. It's the only verse I'm actually planning on reading this morning. And this is what I feel is my assignment on behalf of all of you today. It's Isaiah 61.1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The deliverer is in the house this morning. He's here. I also want to say on behalf of the guys that um, the women are excited, but this isn't a revolt, okay? <laughs> Just want to say that. Uh, women coming into their rightful places in the kingdom and coming out of that cave is on behalf of our men, not towards them, on behalf of them. <laughs> Just wanted to clarify that. You never know. The world tells us that we need to be like a man, that we need to do everything a man can do. That is not what God says. 
Men and women are very, very different. If you're married, you know, we're very, very different. Very, very different. They are called to fight in different ways than we are. We can fight and we can battle and we can be feminine warriors in the absolute most feminine way. I don't really understand, honestly, the draw of wanting to be a man. I love men. I have a dad, a brother, a husband, a son, uncles, friends, love men, have never wanted to be a man. Men are drafted for war. Women have babies. Right? Women are so uniquely gifted. Women on if you've just ever read history on the Titanic, who gets on the lifeboats? The women and the children. I'm good with lifeboats. I'm good with being a woman. It's okay. <laughs> so I wanna give you my story as a woman in the most feminine way. My children ask, are you really gonna take your beautiful cup that you love to drink water out there and not a water bottle? Yes, I am because I'm a girl. And I like girly things. And I like flowers and I like pretty cups. And I wanna share just part of my story this morning. I posted this on Instagram a while back and I wanna say this. I wanna share my story because I don't want you to say, when you hear mine, my story is less significant. I want you to hear my story and say, if she can do it, so can I. That's what I want your answer to be to my story. So I already said that the religious establishment told me I shouldn't be able to do this this morning. Spiritual fathers that I loved I have never been more personally spiritually fought than I was this week. I could not believe the amount of warfare that came on getting up here and, and, and talking to you guys. There, there was this Twitter thread that I finally just had to, to close off that all these men writing articles about that if you're speaking on Mother's Day, then you are sinning. And it, it was amazing. It was amazing. Just everywhere I turned, I felt like I was being hit by something, something else. I had a physically rough week. My ankle was swelling, and I had more pain than I normally do. And it was just, it, it was like just such a bombardment. But in, in my spirit, I became excited because I thought, good, the stakes are high. The stakes are high. And so I'm going to do this. In 2011, on June 16th, as many of you know, uh, it's Jeff's birthday, as a matter of fact, June 16th, uh, my, uh, my mom and my dad came over. We were planning this awesome birthday party uh, for, for my husband. My kids were there. And I told my mom, I had talked with her earlier that day, and I said, why don't you come over about 2 or 2.30, we'll go out, we'll get him some food, we'll go get him a birthday cake, we'll come back home and we'll celebrate, we'll celebrate my husband. We had a great day planned. So about 2 or 2.30, my, my dad and my mom showed up, and 
uh, Alicia would always go with us. My parents came over weekly, and Alicia would always go with us, and we would go get the food, and we would bring it back, and we would have our, usually our meal at, at the house. So that day, um, unbeknownst to me of what was going to happen, my mom and Alicia and I got ready to leave the house, and as I touched the, the front door to turn it, Alicia, who was six, um, heard cars on the television. And she said, oh, do you care if I stay and watch cars? And I said, of course not. So she went into the den, and uh, her and uh, Landon and my dad and Jeff decided to stay home and let mom, my mom and I uh, go get our food. So my mom and I took off like we always did every week. We went and got some dinner. We came back by Kroger. We picked up a birthday cake. And uh, we sat in the Kroger parking lot for just a few minutes because my mom wanted to write a really nice card uh, to Jeff because she, she loved him dearly. And so when we left Kroger's parking lot, we got back on the road. I was driving. And as we were driving down the road, someone crossed the center line, hit us head on, and I immediately lost uh, consciousness. Um, I knew that I was in a lot of pain. I had my whole life flash before me. Um, I didn't know. I've heard people say that in movies before. I didn't know that that was an actual reality, that if you were on the verge of dying, your life actually would flash right through your mind. And that's exactly what happened to me. When I regained consciousness, I realized that my mother's seatbelt had defaulted and she was actually laying in my lap. And I could tell by looking at her, I knew my mom was going to die. And I remember just looking up, Lord, what is going on? I knew that I was in pain. I knew that um, my mind could not really keep up with the fact that three minutes ago, I'm in a car laughing with my mom. We're buying a birthday cake for my husband. I'm going to a birthday party. And in an absolute second, I am in more pain than I can imagine. I am unable to move and my mom is dying. That's more than what we can handle on our own. So the, I did the only thing that I knew to do, the only thing I had ever been trained to do, which is call on Jesus. Father, I need you. I don't know what's happening. Please save my mom. Please help me. Please help my husband and kids wherever they are. Please help them find out where we are. I felt very alone, and I was very worried about my mom. I can tell you the Lord was very near. They were able to get my mom out of the car quicker than they were able to, to get me out. And I had to stay in there waiting on the jaws of life to be sent from an, a different uh, accident so that they could cut me out of this car and get me to Atlanta Medical. It took hours. I was in and out of consciousness at this time. And finally, I remember being moved into the ambulance, getting to the hospital, and just being able to hear bits and pieces of what was going on, what was my uh, prognosis. Um, Jeff arrived shortly uh, thereafter. I was going through MRIs. I was going through CAT scans. And 
they finally reached the point where they were pretty sure that I would make it, but they were also very sure that I was at least going to lose my, my right leg. My right leg, my left hand, my left two fingers, elbow, and right wrist and right arm were not broken, they were crushed, which means there was no bone to put back into place. They had to pick bone out of all of those places. And the only hope that I would have of ever having um, movement in any of those was to put titanium in three of those four limbs and see what would happen, basically, with no guarantees that I would ever walk again. And this is all while I know my mom is at Gwinnett Medical, probably not going to make it, not sure where my kids were. And it was, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And by the way, I'm, I'm sharing this because the hero of the story is Jesus, and we're going to get to that. But the victory is only as great as the battle was hard. So I want you to understand, to come with me into this, not to feel sorry for me, but to understand what Jesus can do with a life. So I'm at the hospital, and the next day I go into probably a 15-hour surgery um, of them just trying to figure out what to do with me, honestly. Um, Every rib was broken. My sternum was cracked. Um, I I was in dire pain. So I wake up, I'm constantly uh, checking on my mom who has not regained consciousness. What I did not realize at the time is that she had suffered a traumatic brain injury. So while I was in the hospital going in and out of surgeries, um, being told different things, different days, you're not ever going to walk again, um, to uh, we're probably going to have to amputate this leg. We just don't see it um, being healed. I'm praying for her, and I am asking the Lord, please do not let my mom pass away until I'm able to go to her funeral. That was the only thing I knew to, to, to really ask. And so for the next uh, three to four weeks, I was just in and out of uh, surgeries. I was trying to recuperate in the hospital. I had cast on um, every limb. The only working limb I had was my left leg. And they were trying to teach me how to stand up from a chair with using only my left leg because I didn't have my hands, I didn't have my elbow, I didn't have my wrist. And I'm just in and out of therapy trying to, to, to figure out how to do this, constantly ch- checking on my mom emotionally drained, emotionally drained, of course, worried about my kids. So finally, three, three and a half weeks after this accident, my doctor walks in and he tells me, you're going to have a long road ahead of you. Uh, We've put titanium in your right leg. We've taken out all your bone and we think that you'll be able to try to stand up in 12 to 16 weeks and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I said, okay. He said, but I have good news. Uh, You're going to be able to go home in three or four days. You're going to need a lot of care. You're going to need constant care. You can't dress yourself. You can't bathe yourself. You can't brush your own hair. You're going to need constant help, but you can go home, which was my desire because I wanted to get home to my kids. 
And so he came and told me that, and four hours later, my mom passed away. And so Jeff comes to the hospital um, early uh, that morning. She had passed away, I think, like around 1 o'clock in the morning. He came around 5 or 5.30, and he said, your, your mama has passed away. And, uh, of course, he cried with me. And because uh, she was everything to me. What I didn't tell you is my mom was my best friend. I feel like I had the best mom that ever lived on this planet. She constantly pointed me towards the Lord. Um, she was my rock. She was my anchor. Um, her and I, um, I can honestly tell you, never had a crossword. I adored her. It was my desire to make her life easier. I um, had never seen such sacrifice out of a lady uh, towards her Lord and towards me and my brother and her family. And I had lost my best friend and I had lost my mom. But I told Jeff, if you can figure out how to do all this for me, get me dressed, brush my teeth, I want, not only want to go to my mom's funeral, I want to go speak at my mama's funeral. And my doctor was nearby, and he said, well, I should let you know, she has a fentanyl patch on her arm that is pumping 100 milligrams of oxycodone into her. She also has a morphine patch, and she's taking 27 pills, and we really don't know what might come out of her mouth. And I said, I don't care. I am going home, and I'm going to speak at my mama's funeral because I want to honor her. I felt like she deserved that. So I went home, and my family took such good care of me. I was completely dependent upon them. And I just want to tell you, the Lord is so good, and you want to pour the word of God in you because when you don't have a hand to open your Bible, the only Bible you have is what you have hid in your heart. I, I didn't have a hand to even open my phone. My phone would ring right there beside me, and there was nothing that I could do about it. I was completely helpless, and I was completely dependent, but I had everything that my mom had ever poured into me. I had it in my heart. So I went home, and much to the shock of everybody, on July 9th of 2011, I sat right there in my wheelchair, and I spoke at my mama's funeral. I don't remember anything I said, <laughs> but people said it was good. <laughs> I'm taking their word for it. Why am I telling you all this? Because am I this strong girl? No, I'm actually really not. I am a dependent girl on a strong God. I loved him. I love the Lord. I love Jesus. He is the only one who can get you through something like that. The only one. And I want to say to you, can follow my lead as I followed my mom's, that you want to keep pressing in. You want to keep pressing in. I promise you, as much as I would like to say that it never happened, there were days that I knew that it would be very easy to give in to bitterness. 
It would be easy to, to give into bitterness over the, over the guy who crossed the center line and hit me and my mom, who I believe was texting. And that text was obviously more important than the life of my mom and the quality of life of my leg. It would have been so easy to have been mad at him. It would have been so easy to have just given up. It's very difficult, if you've never done it, to relearn how to walk with one metal leg and one leg with bone. They weigh different. They feel differently. But I was determined to not give up. I was determined to keep pressing in. Why? Because I felt like, Peter, where else am I going to go? Who else has the words of life? Who else has what I need? No one. Only Jesus. And what I learned was this, if that you'll keep pressing in, and pressing in looks different for, for different people, and it looks different in different stages of life. But if you just won't give up, if you'll keep pressing in, if you'll keep just grabbing hold of the altar and saying, I'm going to stay here until Jesus comes, then when that trial hits, you will see your trial through the lens of your God. But if you give up and you and you forget God or you get angry with him, then you wake up and you only see God through the lens of your trial. And that is the difference. That is the difference. You want to view your trial through the lens of your great God. It's the only way that you'll make it. It's the only way that you'll make it. So my encouragement to you this morning, and I believe the invitation for, for everyone, is to just keep pressing in. Just don't give up. It doesn't mean that your story has to look like mine for it to be your story, and it's still hard. It's still hard. But your answer is the same thing as my answer, which is Jesus. He is the only answer to any of this. And so I want to say, we don't become failures when we fail. We can only become failures when we quit. And we're not going to quit. We're not going to quit. We're not going to quit on our God. We're not going to quit on our husbands. We're not going to quit on our children or our grandchildren or our church. We're going to keep pressing in. And some of you, I know, there is, I believe there's a divine invitation today. And I want to talk to the girls for a second, especially on Mother's Day, because I'm even looking at a few of your faces, and I know your stories, and I know that today is hard. And I love you. Who is this invitation for? It's the women who wish they were moms on Mother's Day. It's the women who feel like they are nailing it, and it's for the women who know they're missing it. It's the women who are celebrating big today and the women who are hurting, the women who have miscarried, the women who have buried their moms, the women who never met their moms, the women who are stepmoms, the women in this room who've had abortions, 
the women who gave their kids up to be adopted, the women who have adopted, men and women who have strained relationships with their moms and went in to buy cards this weekend and had no idea how to pick one out because none of them really fit their situation, single dads who are doing it by themselves, single moms who are doing it by themselves, moms on their own, there's an invitation for all of you. And the invitation is to just keep going. The invitation is to just keep pressing in. I'm here to tell you that everywhere you go, whether you're a man in the business world or a woman in the supermarket looking at the magazines who have been photoshopped, that in this place, you are enough. Jesus says you are enough this morning. And he invites you to, to, to come just as you are. His invitation is for everyone. I want to implore you today to keep pressing in. Don't give up. And I want you to know that pressing in looks different in different seasons. I told you that my uh, accident happened in 2011. Let me tell you what my Mother's Day looked like in 2012. It's not beautiful, but it's my story. That weekend, everywhere I turned were women celebrating their moms. And I felt sad and honestly a little slighted. Every store had Mother's Day, Mother's Day cards on display, and I knew I would never need to buy another one. I would go to a restaurant and see women who were older than my mom when she passed away, and they would be with their moms. And I didn't understand why mine was taken at 58 and I was only 36. I would feel angry, but I would tell the Lord I didn't want to be. On Mother's Day of 2012, I showed up, took my place on the platform in that corner to sing, and made it through two songs before I started boohooing on stage which made my daughter, who was in the audience, cry and turn around and walk out of the sanctuary, which made me hand my microphone to a friend, walk off the stage, out the doors, to the bathroom to fetch my daughter and my friend, who all went and got in the van, me in the passenger seat, my friend in the driver's seat, Alicia in the back, and we went to Dunkin' Donuts, and we ate chocolate-covered, chocolate-glazed donuts the rest of that church service. And I just want to tell you that when I got home and got before the Lord, I heard, well done. Well done, he said to his girl. That's what pressing in looked like that day. That was all I had to offer. I made the effort. I showed up. I couldn't stay. I left. I went and ate donuts. And I don't regret a, regret a minute of it. It's just what needed to happen that day. We serve a good God. He knows where we are. In 2013, I chose not to get on stage on Mother's Day. Thought, well, we don't want that to happen again. A couple of years later, I got back on stage and sang. Eight years later, 
here I am. tell you some of you barely made it in here this morning I can see it on your face God is so proud of you I'm so proud of you you don't compare your year one with my year eight pressing in looks different victory looks different our job is to just not quit and that's going to look different year to year, month after month, because Jesus brings healing. I'm up here with spiritual fathers telling me I, I shouldn't have ever been. I'm up here with a group of medical doctors who said I never could. I'm up here on a day that is emotionally hard for me. Why? Because Jesus is worthy. And he heals. He heals our bodies and he heals our hearts. And I am still waiting on healing. I want a complete healing. I sat this morning during the worship so that I could stand up here and bring you this message. I'm looking for the day, and maybe it'll be next Mother's Day, that I'll stand through the worship and stand through the message. I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming. I believe there's shackles in that cave for two things. I believe they are the lies of the enemy. And I do believe that the other one the Lord showed me was unforgiveness. It could be towards men. It could be towards fathers, spiritual leaders, uncles, brothers. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to break that off of you today. What I believe that God has in store for us girls is so big that it's going to require both hands to hold. We are not going to be able to hold our calling and hold on to our unforgiveness. We're not going to be able to hold our calling and hold on to our guilt and our shame. It's big. He's inviting you into this, and it's going to require both hands hands, which means that we have to let go of some things so that we can take hold of some other things. And I want to tell you that I'm standing here as a girl who has struggled with this myself. So this isn't towards you, this is for us, that it's just time. It's time to let go of the past, it's time to let go of excuses. Because it's a lie of the enemy that tells us if we hold on to these other things, particularly our unforgiveness and our bitterness, that it will help us. It will not help us. Or our anger. Most anger in men and in women begin with hurt. And anger is easier to feel. It just is. It's harder to feel hurt. It's easier. It feels better to feel angry. Hurt feels vulnerable. It makes us feel like we're broken. And we are. But he's not. He wants to come back in and put our pieces back together, as that song says. 
he wants to come back that verse in Devender that talks about he comes back with the head of my enemy and he comes back and calls it my victory and that is my testimony he has been the heavy lifter in this girl and mine in his relationship the entire time but he calls it my victory but he did the heavy lifting I could not have healed myself from this broken heart or for this leg or all these other things. There was nothing that I could possibly do. And there was nothing that anyone else could do for me. Jesus was the only one who could come in and heal this girl. It's why I love him so much. He is my hero. He is the hero of my story. He is my heavenly father who looks out for me. He is the father who has given me more joy after this accident than I ever had before. Why? Because he's so good and he's so worthy and he is so for you. He is so for you. So my invitation to you this morning is for wherever you find yourself on on this scale. If you were Mother's Day 2012 like me, if this is your first, if you're the fifth or you're the ninth, every Mother's Day one's great. It doesn't matter. We all need Jesus. We all need him. We need his empowerment. We need his love. We need his mercy. We We need to be intimate with him. And I want some of you to just join with me. I asked Billy to come up here and and close. I'm not very good at closing. I'm not really good at any of this, but it's my first time. So we're just just swinging it. But my invitation is at least twofold. I want some of you women to just go ahead and say yes to the next thing whatever that is whatever that looks like there's an invitation for some of us to step into our rightful place into the kingdom and you may have had your own voices maybe it was parents a mom a dad a teacher who gave you every reason as to why you can't do what God is calling you to do. I know I've been there. His voice carries more authority than all that team of medical doctors. He told me I'd never be on stage walking. Jesus gets the final word over his kids. He doesn't bow to anybody else's opinion over his daughters or his sons. Some of you, I feel like he wants you to just let go of anger, of regret, of shame. He wants to remove those shackles off of you this morning so that you can leave that cave that was dark and walk into the light, walk into something that's beautiful and bright. I feel like he has sent me this morning to help show you the way out of there. Because I had to walk out of there too. I did. The other thing is I feel like the Lord is just wanting to issue a, a call to some of us 
to just come and as a public statement in front of the Lord, in front of our husbands, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to just say, you know what, it's hard right now, but we will not quit. We will continue pressing in. No matter what that looks like, that we're going to press in when we feel like we're failing, we're going to press in when we feel like we're nailing it. We're just going to keep pressing into him. We're just going to keep answering the call of intimacy from him. That we will not quit. We won't back down. Our families are worth it. Some of you may be sitting here and feeling like you have no idea how I have blown it with my kids. I don't know how to reclaim that ground. I just want to tell you, even if your children's only testimony of you, Mama, is that, you know what, she really, really failed and she really made a mess, but she never gave up. That is really not that bad of a testimony. It really isn't. So I just, I want to invite you to hear the invitation of the Lord this morning. I want you to hear his pleasure over you. Some of us, it's a sacrifice to show up here on Mother's Day. I want to say, I hear the Lord saying, well done. Well done. You still came. Life has thrown you some curveballs and you're still here. I want you to look at me and know if she can do it, so can I. I believe that you can.